Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Summit View. How is everybody doing today? You guys excited to be in church this morning? I am so excited to be with you guys. My name is Michael. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Summit View. So excited to see you guys, whether you're here in the room or you're listening to it online later. Um, I got to say, I'm excited to be back with you guys. Took a week off, um, and it was great. Had a great time. Preached over in uh, Harker Heights, Texas at my pastor's church, uh, Vintage Church. Um, They're right next to uh, Fort Hood, and it was a great time. I got, got some great face-to-face with my pastor, but I am excited to be back, and I am on fire and ready to, uh, to bring you what I think God wants you to hear in this, uh, to, for this Sunday, but I'm on fire for this year. I'm ready for everything God wants to do in some of you church. You guys with me? Who's excited for that? That's awesome, awesome. So uh, today, we are starting a brand new series that we're calling Faithful. Um, some months ago, I was praying really, um, probably three or four months ago, I was praying about what's next for, for some of you church. What is, what is kind of our word to focus on for the year of 2023? And this word, every time that I would pray about it, this word kept popping into my heart. And you know, as a, as a pastor, you really, like, you really pray for big words like breakthrough, and miracle power, and uh, conquest, and, and victory, but, you know, I honestly didn't expect this one when I, when I said, God, what can we do next year? How can we focus next year to be the greatest church we can be and make the biggest impact while we grow the kingdom of God? And he said something. He said, your word is faithful. It's faithful. Just be faithful. That's not what I was expecting. Honestly, that's not what I was hoping for. You know, I was hoping for something, blow the wall, like, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You know what I mean? And then we get the word faithful, and I'm thinking, Okay, well, I'm going to go with it. And so I began thinking about the word, praying about it, and studying. And, and what I found was that the definition, the biblical definition of the word faithful in the Bible, didn't really mean what I thought it meant. Like when you think of the word faithful, me personally, when you think of the word, I always thought of that person that's always showing up. Like, man, that person is faithful. They're, they're always there. You know what I mean? Like they're, you can count on them. They're always showing up when, when, when they're needed. And that person is faithful. They, can, they, they showed up. You can count on them. And then I started reading a story in the Bible. And uh, in that story, um, we're going to frame really our entire series around this story in Matthew chapter 5. Um, in our whole series for the remainder of January. Because it completely changed my assumptions on the word faithful. It changed what I thought it meant. So flip in your Bibles, swipe in your Bibles, turn in them, or you always got your handy-dandy message notes. You can follow along there. Um, your verses are on that. Matthew chapter 25. In this chapter, Jesus is telling um, some parables. And, and what a parable really is, is it's just, it's, a, um, it's an earthly story that people can apply to their lives, but it has a heavenly meaning. So it's something that people can identify with, but it has a heavenly meaning. Kind of like um, when we did the series at the movies. 
It, we, we, we found ways to, to make God's message be applicable to your life and to teach you a heavenly meaning in a way that you would understand. And that's what Jesus did when he taught parables. He would, he would take a heavenly principle and he would put it on, um, on, a, on a, a, a way of present, uh, presenting it to where people would really be able to digest it. And you know, Jesus did this a lot because believe it or not, Jesus actually wanted these people to understand what they were hearing. Like, um, you know, I want to tell you this. You might not know this. God also wants you to understand. He wants you to understand what you're reading. Like, there are some mysteries in the kingdom of God that the Bible talks about. That is for, it's for our purpose to seek them out. But for the base level principles of Christianity, God wants you to understand what you're reading. I, 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 don't, I don't know what anybody's ever told you, but, but God doesn't want to hide it from you. He wants to reveal it to you. He wants to show you. And so this year, while you're doing your Bible plan, your Bible reading plan, maybe the Bible in the year or whatever you might feel led to do this year first, I want to recommend that you do something, okay? Don't hold yourself to some crazy goal like, I'm going to finish this Bible in six months. No, don't hold yourself. Here's what I want you to do. Just read something every day. Just read something every day. Whatever you can digest, whatever you can take in, just read something every day. And you're going to be a lot... Better And the second thing is this. I get this question all the time. What version of the Bible should I be reading? What, as a pastor, this is like one of the main things. What version should I read? And, and here's my answer. Okay, you guys ready for it? I'm going on record. I like the R-E-A-D version. The red version. The kind you can read, okay? I like the kind that you can read and you can understand. So whatever that may be, you, you know, all of them are just translations and parables anyway. They're, your Bible was not written, originally written in English. It was originally written in Hebrew or Greek. And so all of them are translations anyway. So read the one that you can easily understand. Like read the mainline version that you can easily understand, okay? You guys with me? Just wanted to go off on that tangent. Just read the R-E-A-D version and you'll be all right. All right. You guys in Matthew 25 yet? You're like, let's go, Pastor. Okay. I'm with you. Matthew chapter 25, let's read this. Now, listen, this is a big chunk of, of a passage, okay? This is a chunky boy. But I didn't want to miss any details here. So um, before we read, though, I, I want you to, I want to set kind of the context, the expectation here. Um, I want you to let you, let you know one last thing, that when we read about these things in these verses called talents, a talent wasn't like what you and I define talent today, like a skill. When we read the word talents, it's actually a form of currency, a large form of currency. It wasn't small, and a talent was really about a lifetime's worth of work kind of currency. Like, it was a large amount. Like, work your entire life, and, and this talent uh, is worth that wage for your entire life. So this is no small amount that we're, that we're looking at that is entrusted to each person. Now, this message isn't going to be all about finances, okay? This whole month's not going to be all about finances. Week three is... Okay, but it's not because the church wants your money. It's because I want you to have freedom in it. I want you to feel blessed in every area of your life. And a lot of that starts with your pocketbook too. But uh, we're not starting in that this week. Um, but I, I do want to um, open up Matthew chapter 25. When you, when you read this, I want you to understand how to think about some of this story. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. We're re reading out of the English Standard Version here. And it says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey, Jesus is telling this parable, who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. 
To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents here. I've made five talents more. And this master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. And here I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, had not set, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And he, here you have what's yours. He gave him back the one talent, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money in the bank with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take, the talent for, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will, be, will more be given and, and uh, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What a story. That's a, that's a big old boy right there. And, and at the center of this story, though, is this juxtaposition, this, this opposite comparison of what it means to be a faithful servant of Jesus versus what it means to be an unfaithful servant. And, and this is important in our spiritual development because of the context of this story. That This man that went in on, on the journey, he obviously represents the person of Jesus, the master represents Jesus, and in fact, it represents the current time that we're in today. The time that we're currently living in is, is well represented by this story. And, and Jesus was raised back to heaven, and, and he's still sitting at the right hand of God today, waiting to return, and he's awaiting that day. And we're to be caretakers of what he's entrusted to us. He's away. And so, uh, you and I are obviously represented by the servants in the story. And so, we have, we have a master and we have three servants. To one servant, the master gave five talents. To one, he gave two talents. And to one servant, he gave the one talent. And he said for the servants to take care of, of these talents while he's away. And so, the one with the five talents, he went and traded. And he went and made five talents more. And so he had 10 when the master returned. Then the one that had the two talents, he went, he did the same thing. He, he doubled his and he had four talents when the master came back. But the one with the one talent, he went and buried his in the ground so he didn't lose it. And the master returned and he saw that that man still had the one talent. And, and we would think many times that the, the one that, that buried the talent would be the faithful one. Because he, he was making sure he didn't lose it. He was making sure he didn't misplace it. He didn't do something wrong with it. He took what God gave him and he was wise with it. He was careful with it. He was, he was frugal. 
And the ones we would think that went out and traded it, and, and, and we might refer to many of them as like reckless. Like, wait, that's not even your money. You're going and trading it. We might refer to them as reckless or unwise. But this story takes a turn. Because when the master returns, the, the two men that went out and that, that we might consider reckless, these were the ones that the master called faithful. That they went out and traded and they doubled what they had. When the third man who went and hid in the ground, not only what he, was he not called faithful, he was called wicked and lazy. And so to the men who had more talents when the master came back, he entrusted them with much more. Beyond, and the implication is that the master trusted them with much more beyond money. He trusted them with much more beyond those talents that he'd given them. And the man who'd buried his one talent... The master stripped it from him. And then he gave that talent to the one with the ten. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Found Faithful. Found Faithful. And as we, as we look at this term faithful, this is what we want to hear from God one day. We want to hear that. That's, that's our goal. That's our life's purpose as a, as a Christian. When we stand before God one day, we want him to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it's important for you to know that in the Bible, in the end times, there are actually two separate judgments that we read about. There's two of them. There's, we, all, we all know about the first one. People love to yell it at other people okay, that aren't living as right as they think they should. They love to yell it. Some well-meaning Christians love to stand on the corner of the bar and yell this one at people, that judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. We hear about the first one all the time. And this is the, this is the judgment of the non-believers, the judgment of non-Christians. And if, listen, if this is your first or second Sunday at some of you church, um, I'm going to let you know that's not how we do things here, okay? Yeah, I ain't going to stand up here and megaphone you uh, and tell you how, how close the judgment is and uh, you're going to burn in the lake of fire. You're going to hail. Two syllables. <laughs> yes. I got to laugh. It's good. But, but here's, because here's why. I feel like if I, if I, if I have to scare you into heaven... The first time that you feel comfortable and that you feel safe again, you have no more need of it. And so I don't want you to feel scared, and that's why you go to heaven. I want you to feel comfortable in, in the support of Jesus. So anyway, the first judgment, we know all about it, judgment of the non-believers, the ones who don't know Jesus. And this is the judgment which, unfortunately, the ones who don't have a relationship with Jesus will be cast into darkness, and they'll have to spend eternity in the place that was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. That's what hell is. But the second judgment a lot of people are unaware of. The second judgment is a judgment of believers, and in this one, God is going to look at each of our lives and he is going to essentially ask the question, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you handle what was put in your trust? How did you handle what was put in your care? And, this, and in this, this judgment, God judges the motives and the works of each of us. Like, what did you do and why did you do it? And, and, and there's a good outcome and there's a bad outcome. Okay, but it's not a like a it's not a it's not like a, a good outcome you get to stay bad outcome you get kicked out of heaven. That's not what this judgment is all about. We can see um, this judgment actually represented in this story today. That to the ones that were faithful over what was given to them, God entrusted them with even more, 
And the one who was not found faithful, God stripped him of what he had and gave it to the one that was faithful. So in this second judgment that's written about in the Bible, God is just is going to judge each one of us. And the Bible says that it's going to be a judgment of fire. And that everything, every work that we did on this earth is going to be tested by fire. And every, every, every work that we performed that had Christ and eternity at the center would stay. But everything else outside of that would be burned away. And it would be like there was no record of that on your account. And this is, where, this is where you will find when you're reading about the end times that Jesus gives jewels to the faithful ones, that he gives crowns, and then the people cast their crowns at his feet. This is the reward for a good and a faithful life. It, it, it happens in that second judgment. And I'm not going to go too much further into it. I might do an end time series later on this year or maybe next year, something like that, um, depending on how froggy I feel. But, but this is the point I'm making, that in the second judgment, you want to be found a faithful servant. You want to be found faithful. So the question is, how can we be found faithful? So in order to understand that faith, the faithfulness that God is asking from us, I, I really want to, today, I want to spend the day defining what faithful is under the biblical lens that we're looking at in this series. So, so here's the big idea for this series. And listen, when I made this discovery, when it, when it, ha- when it hit me, it completely changed my entire paradigm. My entire way of thinking was changed when I, when I discovered this. And, and you have it at the bottom of your message notes. The big idea for today and the big idea for the rest of the ser- this series is that faithful people don't maintain. Faithful people multiply. Faithful people don't maintain. They multiply. Faithful people, in God's definition of faithful, aren't the ones who just maintain what has been given to them and, and set it on coast. They're the ones that multiply. The, the man with the, with, the, with the one talent, the man that went and buried, he maintained. He went and buried it in the ground. He didn't lose it. He buried it in the ground. He still had it. He maintained through his entire life what God had given to him. <clears throat> but yet, he wasn't called faithful. It was the ones that multiplied their talents that were called faithful. So for the remainder of our time today, I want to look at three big takeaways from this story that that we read today. Number one, faithful people grow what what God has given them. Faithful people grow what they've been given. You know, you got to grow what God gives you. You got to grow what God gives you because, because God has given you something. I don't know if, if, if you've ever been told that before. I don't know what, what people, if you haven't, let me be the first one to tell you. God has given you something. There is something that you possess that is God entrusted to you. Whether it be a family, a career, an education, wealth, maybe it's actual talent and skills. God has given you something and it has been given to you with the expectation that you develop it, that you grow it. You can say, well, I don't have much. But listen, you may not have much. You have something, though. There is, there is something. So do something with what you can. But don't just grow it. Don't just grow it. Because, like, we can all build wealth in, in the world we can, all, we can all become rich. We can all build wealth in the world and still stand before God one day and none of it will bear significance. Because you've not only got to grow it, 
but you need to leverage it for the kingdom of God. You're supposed to be leveraging it. You're supposed to be using it. So, so in the business world, this is called an ROI, a return on investment. And, and what that is is like, uh, how much can I get out for what I put in? I want to get the largest return based, uh, based on what I put in. And, but I want to talk to you today about, about the, the EROI, the, the eternal return on investment. You know, not, not just money. Week three, we're going to go into to money, how we can go deeper on this subject in regards to wealth. But, but what eternal return will you get with how you're living your life now and using your resources now? What eternal reward, what eternal return are you getting from that? Your time, your energy, your skills, your education. Let me ask it this way. What eternal significance are you making by using what God has given you? <coughs> what eternal impact are you making by using what God has given you? What, are you? what are you doing today to make an eternal impact in the lives of those that are around you? We can, we can help you here at the church. We actually, we, we know that this is important. And so we want to help people make an eternal difference in the world around you. We, we call it here making a difference, that God has four things that he wants from people, to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, then to make a difference. And God wants you to make a difference in your world. God wants you to make an eternal impact where, where you are. And we can help you do that um, because we have this, these, these amazing people that every Sunday they, they, serve, uh, they serve here at the church. They're called the crew. And, and we established the crew not because the church had work that needed to get done, but because each person has a purpose that needs to be fulfilled. And it might start with something small like opening a door or preparing some coffee or uh, serving in the production booth and running these slides or serving back there with your heathens, I mean your children. <laughs> Somebody has some, had a good morning. Um, but, but we have the crew here. And the reason we have the crew is because everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has some potential of eternal difference that they can make. And we wanted to make it easy for you. And I can tell you that if you join the crew, I can help you grow the gifts that God has given you. I can, you can, inter, I can interact with you on a much deeper, a much different level if you're part of the crew based on than what I can interact with you in an hour on Sunday. And I can help you grow the gifts that God's given you. And this, this is going to be a great year for the crew, okay? I know it on good authority that this is going to be an awesome year for the crew. We're going to serve God, we're going to grow ourselves, and we're going to have a lot of fun while we do it. And so if you're interested in joining the crew, I just say this because we're not trying to recruit. I just want you to live out of purpose. I want you to discover a way to make an eternal impact where you live. And so if you want to join the crew, you can take that blue connection card that's in your seat today. You can fill it out with some of your information. At the and at the bottom of the card is a place that you can mark if you're interested in serving here at the church. And if you mark that, me or somebody on our team is going to reach out to you about how you can do that. We're revising our path right now, and so we're going to kind of be in transition here, but we're going to make sure that if you have a desire to serve here at the church and to bless your community in one way or another, that we're going to help you do it because that's what the church is all about, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, equipping all of you to make sure that you can do ministry around you. 
So here's what I want you to do. Push yourself this year. Push yourself this year. You've got to grow what's been entrusted to you so you can make a more significant difference in the world. Don't sit on it. Don't sit on what God's given you. Grow it. Grow it. Number two, number two, it's important to know this. Faithful people aren't fearful people. Faithful people aren't fearful people. It's impossible to serve God and to serve others wholeheartedly if we're living our lives in the fear that one moment it could just go away. It's impossible for me to serve wholeheartedly at this church if I'm, if I'm, if I'm every day wondering, what if tomorrow it's all gone? I can't serve from a faithful place if I'm living from a fearful place. And you'll never reach a life, you'll never live a life that reaches your potential if you continue to fixate on fear. The man that was given the one talent, he buried his talent in the ground because he was afraid of losing it. And he was afraid of the master. Don't bury aspects of your life because you're driven by fear. Don't hide away aspects of your life because you're scared something might happen. Let me tell you here, this is the reason that some of you guys need to turn off the news. This is the reason that you need to take a break from that relationship with that person. Maybe not a boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe it's just a friend. Maybe this, you, you need to stop, this is, some of you need to stop listening to those true crime pro- podcasts because it's driving you to fear instead of to faith. Now, I'm not saying you, like, listen to true crime is the devil. Not at all. But anything that's going to drive you to fear and away from faith, that's something you need to eliminate from your life. Because you can't live in both realms. You can't live in fear and in faith. And listen, most everyone just heard this, and you thought about how the person next to you really needs to hear this message. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to apply it to yourself. I want you to sit here and and think this. What areas of your life right now are you driven by fear? Are you scared to go on vacation because you think you don't have enough? Are you intimidated to apply for that job because you don't feel like you have the right skill set? Are you pulling away from that, from that relationship that God brought into your life because you're scared that if you get too close, you're setting yourself up to be hurt again? What areas of your life are you living in fear? Look at me, guys. Take the risk. Take the risk. Because this is something I've learned in my walk with God, that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Without no risk, there is no faith. Take the risk. Faithful people are full of faith people. Faithful people aren't fearful people. So this is my homework for you this week. Okay, I've got some homework. doesn't happen often. This is my homework for you. Do something that scares you this week. Do something that scares you. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be real big. Make the phone call that you've been holding off on. Turn in that job application. Go out to dinner. Do something that scares you. Because here's the truth. Most faith-filled people that you see, they've got fear too. They've, I've got fear too. But faith-filled people, you know what they do in the face of fear? They do it anyways. They just do it anyways. 
So face it. Just do it. Jump in. Do it. Face it. You've got this. Number three, closing with this one. Faithful people are rewarded. Faithful people are rewarded. Guys, this is a really good truth. Reward is not a bad thing. As a Christian, it's not a bad thing to live for a reward. It's not bad to do something. It doesn't mean you're living selfishly. We should all be living our lives pressing toward the goal of reward. Not just a pat on the back from a friend, but, but the reward of hearing a well done, good and faithful servant from our Father. That should be our goal. And the promise is this. The promise is if you can live your life with the kingdom of God at the center, you do everything you can do and leverage everything that you can that you can leverage and try to make an at- Whoa! Sorry. Leverage everything that you can to try to make an eternal impact on this earth. Do everything that you can do using what God has given you. And then I promise you this, that you'll stand before God one day and you'll get a well done. Say, you did everything. You did everything you can do. And it's okay if you got some hiccups that happen. It's okay if you don't, if you don't work it out perfectly in every area. It's all about motive. Jesus is not looking for perfection. He's looking for pursuit. He's looking for, he's looking for you just to try, just to, to put your whole self in. And the God's well done is going to come with more than that, though. The story shows this to the ones that were found faithful with what was entrusted to them. God gave them more. This is going to happen in eternity one day when you stand before God and he says, well done. He says, I'm going to set you over much in my kingdom. And you know that when, when all of this passes away and, and God recreates this earth, that we aren't just going to be in this big white room down on our knees singing some of our favorite hymns over and over and over for the end of time. But know that God, God, God will still need leaders. He'll still need caretakers. He'll still need people to work. You'll still have a job on this earth. Like, like you're not just going to sit in the white room and, and bow down and sing songs for the rest of your life. That's, that's, that's not how eternity is. God's going to recreate this earth. And just like he tasked Adam and Eve, he said, rule over it. He's going to do the same. You'll have something to do. But listen, the ones that will be found faithful in this life are going to be given much more to be faithful with. But this principle can even apply right now. It can apply in your life right now. And I've found this, that as I show my faithfulness in small things, like keeping my car clean and sweeping the floor when it's dirty or like in this church cleaning the toilets when I see a toilet that's dirty I clean it when I see a piece of trash on the ground I pick it up why because I want God to look at me and say that's a, that's a faithful servant he's taking what I've given him and he's making it better and that's, a, that, that's what can happen in this life for you and I found this that as as I show my faithfulness in the small things, 
God finds that he can trust me with them and he hands me larger things to take care of. And he'll do the same for you. If you're faithful in the small, God says, I can trust you with it and he'll hand you more significant things. You're wondering why you're stuck. You're wondering why you can't progress in life and it feels like you're stuck in the same circle. Like no matter what you do, you can't get ahead. Maybe you just need to be found faithful in what you're in, in the day. Be, 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 be trusted in what God's given you first and then we can move forward and then he can give you more. This is God's order of things. You trust him in the small, you grow it, you develop it, you handle it well and God will reward you with what's next. And how incredible it'll be to hear those words one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. So what is it this morning? What is it that you need to stop letting sit on coast? You need to take that cruise control off and put your foot to the gas pedal again. What is it that you need to to have in your life? What area of of your life do you need to start growing? What area of your life do you need to turn over to God and start using it for him? And what area of your life are you burying in the ground and you're hoping just to make it by? Because remember, faithful people don't maintain. They multiply. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.